0: Is something that can wait. There is a sense of urgency that the Lord placed on my heart for this. So, uh, so that's what we're going to do. Right? <clears throat> we're going to pray real quick. Lord, thank you for this time, Father. Thank you for giving us the freedom and the ability to spend time with you together, to yes. learn from you, Father, to get to know your heart even more, Jesus. We're going to pray that you would soften our hearts, Father, open our minds, and help us to be self aware, Jesus. Help us to see our own faults where we come short, Father and how we can serve you better, Jesus. Yes. We love you, and in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the first thing I want to say, is the thing up there? No, yeah, of uh I want to tell you a little bit about my upbringing, right? So, like, I was a big old wuss as a kid. I was a big sissy. I mean, I, it was bad. It was bad. So I'd be wearing shorts, right? Maybe at about the knee. And I'd get a cut maybe at about lower calf, lower yeah. calf. Even though I was wearing shorts that was impossible to touch this cut, I was still hiking my shorts all the way up like Steve Urkel and start crying. Ah, I got a cut that hurts. She's like, it's not even touching your cut. You don't even have to do that. What are you doing? And that was me. That was me. There were dogs. I thought they were all going to murder me. So I was taken off. And you know, like dogs are like, oh, we're playing. Let's go. So they starts chasing after you right? with you. And I'm just crying. And my parents and all the other adults were just looking at me like. Just, just cutting up because they know the dog's not gonna do anything. They're just having their fun. So I hated pain. I hated every like everything that I thought would cause discomfort. Yeah. I uh, number seven. Is that right, Lindsay? If you're an anagram person, number seven. Just run away from all things ever been. Um, so I'm gonna tell you about the time that I quit football. Right. My parents were like. All right, we got to get this dude some, some man in him, right? Like, what's wrong with this kid? He's so afraid of everything. So they put me in football in fifth grade. So it's still fifth grade still was um, – so I go to practice. Oh, my gosh, they all want to freaking do this. Okay. So I go to football. I go to practice, and there's this kid. I mean, he's, he probably had, like, a small man complex or something because he was about a foot and a half shorter than me. And in uh, fifth grade, I feel like everyone grows about the same rate, you know, until you're, like, middle school or something. But this kid would come up to me and start kicking me in the shins. The whole practice. The whole practice. I would shove him. I'd like r- walk, like go to the other side of the field. Like, whatever. He would always just follow me and just keep kicking me in the shins. I'm like, dude, I, I go home every day. Mom, I don't want to play football. I hate this kid. I don't want to do this. No matter what, do we talk to who? This kid was always, I think his name was Aaron. I can't, I can't stand that guy. Right? Hey, Aaron, what am I going to do with him? And so. uh oh, Aaron. Knowing about my history of running away from dogs, the coaches thought it'd be smart to put me on offense because they're like, "This dude's gonna run if someone's coming after him." Which I get the sentiment; it makes sense. It, logically, it follows. And so they gave me the ball for like two plays. I think I, I think I stood one tackle, and then uh, the second time I was like, "I'm out. I'm not doing this anymore." Like so they decided to put me a free safety, which was. Their fault. They just should have left me on the bench because anybody that got past the defensive line, they just weren't getting tackled. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, good job. Man. Yeah, touchdown. <laughs> that was me. Another time I quit. So I was uh, my friend Logan had uh, was playing saxophone, and he had a second saxophone, and I was like, dude, I want to. I want to play saxophone. Cause you know me, I like jam bands, like the nice line between. Classic rock and blues music, where it's not just, you know, the basic changes both on both sides, but there's some freedom, but there's also some rock going there. And so the brass section is always, always the best. Yeah, knows about this. Brass section is always the best. So I was like, dude, saxophone, let me, let you, like, learn saxophone from you. Yeah. So we start playing. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, we get together. I go to his house, and he's like, all right. So first thing you got to do is you got to figure out this reed. Is there any reed players in the room? Anybody that's played? You got one. Just okay, so you're the only one that's going to get this. It was a saxophone. Was a saxophone. Was a saxophone. Hey. Oh, I commend you. <laughs> I uh, could not figure out how to pucker my lips, whatever the heck you call it, to <laughs> so push this reed up enough to emit any sounds other than just a... <laughs> right? And so I was like, I don't know. I guess you got to like... What I didn't do, the only solution I could find is to fold my lip over my bottom teeth uh-huh. and bite through my lip onto the reed. And after about twenty five seconds of this and almost me biting through my lip, I was yeah. like I I can I cannot do this. Yeah. This is too painful. There's no way I'm ever gonna figure this out. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <Right? laughs> if you hadn't figured it out yet, we're gonna be talking tonight about surrendering your right to quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Another thing I can think of is if there's anyone in here that's roughly my age, uh <laughs> And you watch Jimmy Neutron. Oh yeah. Okay, cool. I got some more hoos that I thought of. Let's go. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Neutron had this one villain called Calamitous. Calamitous was this whole boy that like, straight up couldn't finish anything. He had big ideas. He had like big things he wanted to do. He's going to do all these things, whatever. But he couldn't finish a single thing. So he was like, I'm going to capture Jimmy Neutron. He's going to finish my inventions. Well, that guy was just stupid because Jimmy just... His inventions to take out the other bill, whatever. <laughs> but anyways, he was another quitter. He started so many things halfway or not even, and then he just dipped. Yeah, yeah. Right. So there's two kinds of people that I believe are quitters, right? One is people who value instant gratification more than they do loyalty and commitment. And two is people who are afraid of failure. Yeah. Along the same lines of this, we find uh, cancel culture. It's like. Oh, shoot, man, this this dude is, I'm having a hard time with him. He's, we've got this conflict, and I'm non confrontational. So I think instead of handling this, I'm just going to get him out of here and then just move on with my life. Right? And then there's also people who don't hold jobs for more than just a couple of weeks. They go in, get their paycheck, and they dip out. Over spring break, I was in Houston because my sister, it wasn't because my sister, I was seeing the family, but my sister was graduating from flight. Attendant training with United Airlines. Hey, hey, right, so yeah. she's getting her wings. Jesus bet she's getting her wings. And when you get your wings, it's like a flight attendant thing. You are allowed to have someone who works within the airline, like department, to pin your wings for you. It's like kind of a big deal. So she chose my uncle Scott, who's a technician for United Airlines, to uh, to do that, which was really cool. Yeah. But before the ceremony, um, we were sitting down. My mom, my sister. Me and my uncle, and he was telling us about, like, I don't know, we were just talking about, like, the new generation of people that just don't like to stay with things. But he was talking about how United Airlines started doing this thing where they're having temporary pay for new hires. What the heck does that mean? So for two to four months, whatever that frame is, I don't remember. For two to four months, their pay is higher than tenured employees. Just to bribe them to stick with the company for, like, I don't know. You're, I'm assuming they're trying to like, keep them around long enough to like get their values yeah. and see what their company's like, how they take care of you, what benefits actually do for you, yeah. and that kind of things. But I don't That's know. Really but we've got a big problem <laughs> of people wanting to quit all the time, myself included. And I'm a completionist, and I'm still kind of trying to quit everything all the time. We're going to read Colossians 4. <clears throat> That's where we're going to be for a large portion of the night. So you go ahead and turn there if you're going there. But uh, just as a uh, background, uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 10. Right around here is uh, Paul's, you know, giving some instruction from the Church of Colossae. And he uh, is doing his final greetings at this point. So that's where we're at. He's basically just telling everybody that people care about him, they're praying for him, they're sending his greetings. So chapter 4, verse 10 says, My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings. As does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are, only the, these are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Jesus Christ, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God. Mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Oh, dear, our dear friend Luke and the doctor and Deos sends greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters of Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. So we're gonna talk about Mark. Mark is John Mark. He's Barnabas' cousin, like it says. Yeah. And uh, Mark was the secretary during the... Uh, Paul and Barnabas's first missionary journey, yeah. okay? So he was going with them, and he was kind of recording everything, take care of whatever, but then eventually the going got tough, and Mark chickened out. Mark went back home. He went back to Jerusalem. He said, this is too tough. This isn't what I signed up for. I'm out. Yeah. So Paul took note of that, right? And uh, after their first missionary journey had ended, their second was coming up, yeah. and Paul was telling, or Barnabas was telling Paul that he wanted to bring Mark again. And Paul's like, dude, no. I can't trust that guy. <laughs> yeah. How can I trust? I can't bring a lot. If I bring someone with us, I'm going to need that guy. And how am I going to lean on him if I can't trust him, right? Yeah. And so that's when Paul and Barnabas split up. But in the meantime, I guess Mark kind of got his feelings hurt and they got right. Because after this, he became a missionary himself and went off to start of his church in Alexandria. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> Eventually, uh, after Paul was in prison, uh, Mark went to go visit him to reestablish some relationship, kind of catch up and be like, hey man, I'm sorry, this and that. And so um, Paul ends up respecting him and giving him a little bit more dignity and uh, trust, right? Enough to send him to Colossae and say, like, go help out our homeboy over there and, um, and do some ministry over there. So what we see here is that Mark was a quitter, but Paul didn't know. He had, a, he had an understanding that uh, having grit is important to continue God's work, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. To be an adequate follower of Jesus, you've got to have grit. Yeah. And what's grit? Grit is identified as, one, the unit number for uh, <laughs> making rough things smooth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But two, it is the idea that failure is not a permanent condition. Yeah, that's right. Failure is not a permanent condition. Mark was able to come back to have grit so he could do whatever God wanted him to do. If we continue reading, Colossians 4.17, it says, Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the mission, the ministry you have received in the Lord. So he says to complete the ministry in the yeah. Lord. Yeah. The thing that God had given him. Right? So uh, Archippus, he, he's there. Right, this is a letter that's read aloud to the full church. So yeah. he, he hears it. He's like, "Oh shoot, they just call me out." Right? Why did they call him out? I mean, he was just chilling. He was in the church. He didn't quit doing ministry altogether. He's still serving the Lord, you know, doing his thing. But but it wasn't what God had actually called him to do. Right? He kind of gave up on it. I don't know what it was. We won't know until the other side of the world if we think to ask Jesus about it. But doing ministry adjacent to what? God has called you to do, it's just, it's not obedience, right? Mm-hmm. We can have big dreams and big projects of ministry, but if we don't follow through or complete it, what use is it? Yeah. It becomes a colossal waste of time and heart. Second yeah. Corinthians 8, verses 11 to 12 says, Now finish the work, so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it, according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift of acceptable accordance. The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. All right, so, so I'm gonna tell you about another time I quit. All right, Uh so my dad and I, we, uh, my dad really loved to kayak, if you knew anything about him. And he, uh, we lived on Lake Conroe, and at Lake Conroe we're, we're in a subdivision where there's a bunch of different coves, so we go in the coves all the time, just kinda of cruise. It's nice, it's glass water, unless there's a boat coming in, you get a small wave it's fun, but it's just kind of casual, you know, you just kind of go for it, it's fun. Yeah. But uh, Lake Conroe is a pretty big lake, and there's an island, there's a few islands in the middle of the lake, but there was one relatively close to where uh, our dock was, right, and by relatively close, I mean about a mile and a half, <laughs> and uh, I was, uh, I was in high school, I was maybe a junior in high school, maybe, and my dad said, hey, let's go to this island, I said, yeah, let's do it, sounds fun, sounds yeah. fun. We had a boat, but what's the fun of taking a boat there? Let's just take kayaks. Um, and so we go, and I'm, I'm bad at work. We're, we're paddling, and you know, as you're going out for the cove, the waves are coming towards you. So you're going against the waves trying to get there. So we're going about halfway there. I'm like, man, I'm getting really tired. I get almost three quarters away the there, and I'm like, dude, I, I, I don't know if I can keep this up. Three quarters away the there, I I said, Dad, I've got to stop. I've got to stop. I can't make this. I'll have to float back and then work my way around the shore just to get back home because I cannot do this. I'm, I'm beat. And my dad says, no, we're, we're getting there. Right? So he gets in this glove box of his kayak because I guess he knew he's going to need this. Uh, and grabs a rope, ties it to the front of my kayak and then around his waist. And he pulls not just himself but myself and the kayak against the waves the rest of the way to this island. Right, and I'm so tired. I'm trying to roll, but I'm like nah, I feel guilty because my dad's like having to pull me and stuff. And I'm, I'm like six, 17, something like that. And uh, and he's, he looks back at me. He's like, "Are you doing? It? Are you rolling or what?" I said, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm just bad. I'm weak. And, um, it's that's really, it's a really funny story. But if we take this story and use it as an analogy for Archipus's situation, right? Yeah. You put Archipus in my in my kayak. Yeah. And then we <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one. I can get James to laugh, that makes me happy. He <laughs> technically booze my jokes. Uh, so Archipus is in my kayak, right? And then in my dad's seat, there's the church and the other believers and people around me. So Archipus probably felt like he was doing the right thing. Yeah. Why? Because he was going the same direction. He made it to the same destination, right? But in reality, we can see that he wasn't anything but but dead weight being dragged, right? Yeah. He was just dead weight because he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was assimilating to, assimilating to the people around him and just mooching off of their work and what they have been doing. Yeah. So my question here tonight, some of some of my questions, um, just to get a little bit more serious is, uh, how many of us in this room are, uh, are going to resource or small group Right, and we're expecting our leaders to feed us. We're going there and we're saying, like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing this thing because I'm here. How many of us are, are going somewhere, going to small group and all these things and saying, like, yeah, I really I really love the Lord because these people are really good. They're my really good friends. They yeah. hang out a lot. Yeah. Right? How many of us are attending multiple small groups and things thinking that we're doing ministry because we're helping disciple other people left and right, but but not our own. and not finding people to our own. Yeah. These things are, are great. And you'll probably see fruit in all of it, for sure. Archipists will see fruit in their church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? But it's not what God has asked of us. Right? Yeah. Yeah. What we've been talking about all semester is what rights do you surrender to follow Jesus? And I just want to remind all of us, myself included, myself included, that uh, I don't know what I that, uh that when we deny ourselves when we die to ourselves we put ourselves on the cross right but I also want to remind us that that we can't take ourselves back off that cross we get up there we stay there yeah Mm, that's good so with that there's no option of quitting if things get hard if they don't turn out the way that we want them to yeah yeah right there's no option there's no option of quitting So if the answer to stop quitting is to get gritty, then why are we not gritty already? Like, why are we not? What I think is the truth behind that is because deep down, I don't know that we believe that Jesus is worth it. And I'll tell you right now that Jesus is more deserving of our worship than anything else is. Jesus is the epitome of good, right? Evil is just the absence of good. Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can get to the Father except through me. If we don't follow Jesus for him being who he is, then at least we can think about, at the very least we can do is think about what he's already done too, right? Sunday is Easter. He's already defeated the grave and bought us in eternity with him. So what are we thinking that we're, what do we think that we're doing when we quit and we do other things, right? Do we think, subconsciously that those things can save us from eternity without Jesus too? Is that worth putting our time and our energy and effort to? I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. Maybe it's just that we need to be reminded of why we do these things. Yeah. Like James was talking about a couple of weeks ago. Why do we do the things that we do? Yeah. Jesus is the most loving, caring, sacrificial individual that's ever walked the earth and that ever will walk the earth. Yeah. And on top of that, he lived 30-something years of life without sinning once. He withstood the temptations of Satan. Yeah. And stood grounded in scriptures and character of God when questioned. He kept loving Judas, even though he knew he was going to stab him in the back. Yeah. And on top of that, he still went to the cross, even though he already knew it was going to happen. Yeah. He didn't want to do it. He's like, Lord, take this cup from me. I don't want to do this. But he still did it, right? Yeah, He still did it. And I think that this, looking at Jesus' life, he is the man of grit. Yeah. All the crap that he's been through, all the things that he did, the people he stood up to, the he's also really smart, the way that he disarms so many people. Yeah. He's, he's a man of grit. And I think it's only appropriate to take up his mantle and do the things that he says, right? Yeah. It's to deny yourself and follow me, make disciples of all nations, feed my sheep. Yeah. And another way to interpret this Universal call is what I'll say is to find feed and fight for the lost names of God yeah, yeah specifically because I can't help myself to not be practical it's helping your small group leader minister to other people in the group yeah yeah and it's also bringing more people in yeah, they can be believers they can also be unbelievers that would be great like Kobe was saying like we want to we, we want people saved yeah, yeah. not for their sakes, but for God's sake. Yeah. yeah. Right? Not for our sake. For God's sake. Yeah. Yeah. For the small group leaders in the room, maybe it's faithfully discipling the ones in your small group outside of small group, as well as finding more people to join your small group. Yeah. If you find yourself having extra time. I pulled up the census for the for last academic year at Angeles State University. I could not find Numbers for the people that were in campus ministries in total, but there's total that were enrolled full time and part time was 10,826 students. Yeah. <clears throat> I would assume that there's no more than a thousand people in all our campus ministries. Yeah. yeah. And so there's over 9,000 students mm-hmm. that are on campus. Yeah. You know, at our, that, that's our harvest right there. Yeah. That's our harvest. There's thousands on the campus, and there's billions in the world. What are we going to do after we leave here? Sure, it's great to be doing this thing on campus. But when we leave and we get jobs, or when you get jobs, this is my job. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many people that haven't witnessed the beautiful glory of God, the unmatched sacrifice of Jesus, just for a chance at restoring peace and relationship with the people that he loves to do Does the lamb that was slain not deserve the reward of his suffering? Mm. Colossians 4.18. This is the last verse of the chapter. It says, I, Paul, of the book, says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. So remember his chains, right? Paul is alone, or maybe not alone, maybe he's hanging out with a bunch of people that don't care about Jesus at all, which is worse, in my opinion. <laughs> hanging out with some soldier, and he's alone, and he's still encouraged enough to follow Jesus. He's still encouraged enough with little interaction with Paul, and not Paul, he is Paul, with uh, Epaphras, and with Mark, and uh, and some of these other guys. Uh, little little interaction with him, he's still able to be encouraged. After he's been alone and with sour people and... Yeah. Paul had every excuse to dip out, but he, he never did. He never did. So what's our excuse? You know, is, is it better than Paul's? I wow. don't okay. Not me. Not, not any of my excuses. <clears throat> But what's crazy is, even though Paul recognizes all these things, he still extends grace to Archipus. right? He gives them the instruction, go and complete this ministry, but he also says, grace be with you. Yeah. If we can remember Paul's struggle and grit, maybe, just maybe, it will keep us motivated. Yeah. If we can remember Jesus' struggle in life and grit, maybe we can stay inspired, yeah. right? Yeah. Grace follows grit. Yeah. Grace follows grit. When we stick to the things that Jesus asks us to do, when we keep going, when we fail over and over again, there's grace. Jesus says, I see why you're doing this. You're doing this because you love me and you love my people. Thank you. I love you so much. Here, I give you this grace. Yeah. It's okay. Let's work together. How do we move forward? Right? Here's a community of believers around you Let's work together. Yeah. Well. Grace follows grit. Yeah. It's not enough just to start leading a small group just because and then give up just because things got difficult. And it's not enough to follow Jesus just to live like we don't care about him at all. It's good. It's good. Alright, what's yeah. the point? Jesus is very real to me. Jesus is very real to me. And I hope I hope that he's as real to everyone else here as he is to me. I didn't have this in my notes, but, but I'll, I'll share this with you. There's one time I was at uh, I was still a student at St. Houston State, and there was this uh, like uh, we called it the mall area. It's between like all of the main like, academic buildings and the big hangout area. We called the LSC comparable to the UC here. And uh, it was there was a hill, right? So there's the mall area, and then there's a hill up to these other academic buildings. It was a little tree and a little. Bench right there, and uh, that bench was my favorite place to sit on all of campus yeah. because I just got to oversee everything. Everyone was hanging out. There's the fraternities and sororities that are way over there by the library, and the people are throwing frisbees and stuff, and it's typically our people, and then some other people <laughs> hanging out, walking through. <laughs> and uh, um, that was my favorite place to sit. And one day I was sitting there, and I uh, I told the Lord, I was like, man, I, give me your eyes, help me to see what you see. And he gave me the, the most terrifying thing that i would ever seen. And he did, he gave it to me. And I asked him to take it back because I couldn't handle it. Hmm. What I saw was, uh, I saw people, right? Because that's what Jesus cares about. And uh, I saw people that were highlighted in like green, and some people that were just burning up flames way over the top of their head. And the number of people that I saw with flames over their head, it's too much. It's too much. God deserves so much praise. So much worship. And it kills me to know that he's never going to get as much as he deserves. Because there's already people suffering without him forever. Forever. I think that we're not spreading the good news because of one of two things. It's either not good enough to us or we're lazy and afraid. Right? Yeah. I'll let that first one sit on you, but I'll talk about the second one. Something my dad always told me was, if you're afraid, then do it afraid. Right? We do things when we're happy. We do things when we're excited. We do things when we're tired. When we're sick, I'm doing it now. Right? What's stopping us from doing things afraid? We should be willing to do anything that Jesus asks us to do, no matter what kind of emotion tries to get in the way of that, right? Right. Yeah. Jordan McDonald says this. I don't have it up there because I made the slides and I forgot to do this one. (laughs) I'll read it twice. It says, we must not merely do as he did. We must see things as he saw them, yeah. regard them as he regarded them. But we must take the will of God as the very life of our being. We must neither try to get our own way nor trouble ourselves as to what may be thought or said of us. Yeah. I'll say it one time. We must not merely do as he did. We must see things as he saw them, regard them as he regarded them, We must take the will of God as the very life of our being. We must neither try to get our own way nor trouble ourselves as to what may be thought or said of us. Paul, who is the greatest disciple of all time, was willing to extend grace even when their excuses weren't as good as his. Jesus wants to extend the same grace, but it does come at a cost. The band can go ahead and come up whenever you're ready. But... something we, we think about a lot. From one of the great preachers, I don't remember who it came from. Uh, one of the great heroes of the faith that we look up to. He says that like the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting, but been found difficult and left untried. It's been found difficult and left untried. Yeah. And left untried. Yeah. But if we do it afraid, then we can do it, right? Yeah. Like I said, grace follows grit. Jesus gives you, gives you grace. He gives you encouragement to go and do the things that you're doing, even if you're terrified. Yeah. Right? Jesus was terrified to get on that cross, but he did it anyways. So we can do that too. Jesus commands commitment and loyalty to him. The opposite of instant gratification. A life in Jesus is a life well lived. It's the best life I've ever lived. Since I started getting serious about it, I'm so grateful that I've had good friends to, to push me in that direction. Yeah. So grateful. And then Jesus also said that he would be with us, right? He's gone before us, and the Holy Spirit's with us now. We're not alone. Even when we feel like we're alone, we're not alone. So for this altar time, I uh, want to, want us to think about a couple things. It might feel a little random, but I think it's necessary. Um, One is, if if you're here tonight and you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if that's never been a thing for you, I want you to know that if you were to, it'd be the greatest decision of your life, and that I want you with us, right? I I care about you, man. Even if I hadn't talked to you, I care about you. And so if, if you want to make that decision to, to follow Jesus, you can meet a couple of us in the back corner over here, and we'll pray with you. The next two things are to think about are motivations, right? One is if you reflect on your life and you realize that you've been a quitter and unreliable to Jesus and the people around you. I would love for you to take some time, if you can't think about it yourself, Ask the Lord to reveal these things in your heart. Say, Lord, what is it in me that is making me untrustworthy to my friends? How am I unreliable? Where have I quit? What things do I need to pick back up so I can stay reliable, so I can continue and complete the ministry that you have been giving me? What are those things? And the last thing is if you're not accepting the grace that Jesus wants to impart to you because you're afraid of the cost. You're afraid of what it's going to take from you, right? We've been talking all semester and all last semester about what it means to follow Jesus and what it takes to follow Jesus. It is some heavy stuff. It's hard. But it's so good. The cost is worth. The, The redemption benefits is so much higher than the cost. So much higher. It's silly to think about the cost, but... It's real, right? I get it. Feelings don't always make sense. I, mean, I know that you, we always say that we're, you're responsible for what you know, right? But we also say that responsibility is a miracle grow in person. If you take that responsibility right, if you do it well, if you have the courage to push through, if, if you have the humility to say, Lord, well, I don't know what I'm doing. This is your world, I'm just living in. Show me how to be your disciple. Show me how to live this life. Show me how to, to fight for people the way that you've fought for people, the way that you've paid for their souls. So I'm gonna pray. We're gonna have alter time. Like I said, I'm gonna be in the back. Um, but yeah, let's just reflect on these things. Jesus, we love you and we need you, Jesus. We need you so desperately. Would you call us to a life of holiness. Would you call us to a life of underneath your lordship.